Welcome to the Trad Quest podcast. We got a awesome guest on here tonight. I think he's uh, the only guy to have killed three doll sheep with a longbow, all with a longbow. So that's a pretty big deal. That's a tall order right there to fill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a stud, Yote Robertson. We had his dad on a while back, Dick. Of course, his dad's been making bows forever, and Yotes obviously been helping him since he was probably old enough to walk and get in the shop. And Yotes been guiding up in Alaska since he was uh, old enough to be on his own. So, yeah, I think it was like two days after graduation he headed for Alaska. He says, and if you guys uh, have been listening to all the podcasts, um, we had Dick on and we had Doug Borland on. And we kind of get into these doll sheep hunts and these guys are hunting partners. They're all hunting together. So you're kind of hearing different versions of these hunts. But, uh, yeah, these guys are animals. I mean, they're getting dropped off and hiking like 25 to 35 miles into their hunting ground. Yeah, it's, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know any other way to describe it besides, uh, it is awesome. It is the ultimate adventure, it sounds like. Um, they're getting geared up to do it this year again, I believe. Um, so, yeah, we go over that a little bit. And Yotes a super, super cool guy. I mean, how could you not be with the name he has, right? Yeah, Coyote. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's it's, get it's- it's got me jacked up. I mean, how how long till we get to go bow hunting again? This yeah. is driving me insane. <laughs> I know doing these podcasts is terrible. It's it's a long time, unfortunately, until it's uh, yeah. season again. Yeah, unless we sneak down to California. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we we need to do that. Uh, I, I think that last podcast with Brian was awesome. Um, I think we need to go do some hog hunting because doll sheep is just not in my budget at this point. No, no, I don't know if it ever will be, but, uh, we can always dream. So, yeah. So, so here's to dreaming. Yeah. Enjoy. All right, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we got Yote Robertson on the line today. How you doing, Yote? I'm doing well. Right on. So, how are, how are you good? Good, good. We got James. Good. James is on here too, of course. Um, James usually runs the show, but uh, he's making me talk today, so I'll apologize for everywhere I mess up. So um, we got Yoda on. We had his dad on back. I don't know, ten or fifteen episodes. Great guy. And uh, so yo, your name that's short, short for Coyote. I'm guessing, right? Um, yeah. The 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 quick background on that is is the year I was born, basically the year dad really started Robertson stick bow, he hunted coyotes and trapped coyotes in the winter. Um, 
and sold the fur, of course. And he just took the CEO off a of coyote and named me Yoke, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the story I've been told anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That, That's super cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you could find a cooler name for a bow hunter. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming you've never met anyone uh, with the name Yoke. No, I have not. No, not another yacht. I've met yeah. some other. There was a yacht or something that was a different um, a guy that I met, but no, no, no yacht spelled the same or nothing. Not yeah. yet, anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. That's sweet, man. So obviously, you grow up grew up around traditional archery um, with your dad and everything. Maybe you could go go over that just kind of like your upbringing in the in the community and when you started shooting a bow and a little bit of the history there um yeah yeah i uh boy i i couldn't tell you when i first started shooting a bow um it seems like i grew up with it in my hand (laughs) um uh, i know my first bow was like a a busted limb off of one of dad's first self bows like, so he had, he'd, uh, built a cell phone, it broke. And then he ended up like carving a little tiny bow out of that. And, uh, we still have that in the shop, uh, like hanging off of one of dad's elk rack on um, that little tiny bow. And, and I know they've got some photos of me just, you know, tiny holding that thing. Um, honestly, I probably shot better back then than I do now. I didn't get all those bad habits we, we tend to develop, right? Yeah. <laughs> um but it is uh I, I probably never, you know, had the same love of archery as my dad, you know, it it was always his baby, but um my thing was the hunting. Um I I just loved pursuing critters. Um so I mean the earliest stuff I can remember is is going out chasing, you know, every little tweety bird and the robins and um you know, anything I could and, and trying to learn how to get closer to him. Cause, cause of course the weapon dad gave me was a bow. <laughs> so, um, it, that's, that's been my passion my entire life is I just, I eat, sleep and drink hunting. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much always thinking about my next hunting trip. <laughs> I hear you, man. I've, um, I've got the same drives sickness. Everybody in my life nuts. <laughs> me too. Uh, same sickness yeah, here. Yeah. So how old were you? When you, you know, you were able to start hunting deer in Montana, um, that was probably your first big game animal, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, yeah. The, my first big game animal was a muley doe. Um, and it was in that I was, I was, I think I was 12. I was either 12 or 13. I might've, I'd already turned 12 and I didn't, I know I, when I was in the Bitterroot, the first year I could hunt, um, there was this, uh, it's like a drainage ditch on, on these people's land that we could hunt that was kind of off of my grandfather's 80 acres. Um, and I do remember like sitting in a tree stand and stuff like that and missing a few of them. Um, like probably numerous. I, I, I can't remember the exact number, <laughs> but, um, I, I flung a lot of arrows. I know before I ever drew any blood. Um, but my, my very first bow kill, I mean, I'll, I'll, we were basically, you know, um, 
well, road hunting. And we would drive around and, and dad and, and his buddy, Tom Martini, um, would be egging me on. Right. And they'd, we, they'd spot a muley up on the hill or something. And I'd try to a little stalk and I'd mess that up and we'd drive down the road and, um, find another one, you know, and this is back when there was just piles of them around and, and you could get all those, like a few extra doe tags. Um, not quite as many muleys as, as there was back then, but uh, anyhow, I, I, I got out one time and I remember I was, you know, millies can be a little slow, so I'm not that far from the truck. Um, but I'm kind of behind this little tree and I remember this Garth Brooks song, the one about the, <laughs> the, the blood and the bull and all that stuff, right? It's, I can't remember the name of the song. It was a famous Garth Brooks song. I could hear it in the in the radio of the truck and uh anyway this this doe is standing there and i don't know she's probably 20 25 yards away quite a ways for a 12 year old little boy right packing a longbow of all things and i remember watching that arrow hit that deer just perfect um and it, it basically shot her in the heart and she just took a few steps and fell over right wow i think and- tom and my dad were more excited than I was. Those See, two, because they both got to watch it. I remember them yelling and coming unglued, and um, I I heard the same yell what thirty some years later when Dad watched me on that first sheep of mine too, and it, it was a similar similar yell from my dad. So you had a you had um, a theme a theme song at an audience. That's cool. I had a theme song in an audience for my first uh, first bow kill. I, obviously, not the most ethical and the most proud thing you are, but you know what? When it's when it's your first one, what the hell? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. Your dad does seem like a heck of a family guy. So, my dad's kind of the same way, man. It, he he kind of in his later years, he more excited to take us out than you know whether he got something or not. So, that's so, cool, man. So we were talking before we started recording about um, uh, I had met you at the PBS banquet in Portland uh, seven, eight years ago, and I kind of was new to traditional archery and didn't really know uh, who your dad, Dick, and Don Thomas and the Wenzels and all these guys. I was meeting all these people, and I didn't know who they were until you know i started reading traditional bowhunter magazine and and i started putting the pieces together so i imagine for you growing up you were surrounded by all these guys and you probably didn't really have an awareness of the caliber of guys you were growing up around would that be could you speak to that a little bit oh yeah for sure it 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 wasn't like uh i didn't think any different they're just my dad's buddies um, you know, I, it was, uh, we'd go over to the Wenzel's, um, Gene mostly, he was, he lived a little closer and I remember just going to his house cause I loved his trophy room. <laughs> um, he had a rug that was like all skunks, like in a uh-huh. circle, all these skunks without tails, you know, it's like the neatest rug I've been looking for years. I want one of them rugs still do. <laughs> that was, you know, um, at, at Gene's house and I'd play with his kids. Um, I know his, his daughters took care of me a couple times when I was young. Um, and that, that's the thing about that community. Those, those buddies of my dad, like when my dad went to Russia on a, on a hunt once, um, it was during, you know, our, the beginning of our archery season and I'm being destroyed that I ain't going to get to go out hunting. Well, dad's buddies 
would come to the house, pick me up and take me hunting if dad was somewhere else, you know? And that's uh, awesome. It just, it, yeah, it goes to show how good a guy they are, you know, take their time out of their, their archery season to take me, you know, Gene, Gene was one. I remember him taking me on an elk hunt. Um, when dad wasn't around and as you know, Gene's not much of an elk hunter. He's a whitetail guy. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, one of dad's best buddies, Jim Chin, um, he wrote a, he's wrote a traditional archery book, um, I think, and, you know, contributed a bunch to PBS and that sort of thing was a president at once, I think. Um, he took me a lot, um, when, you know, when dad, dad couldn't or, or, uh, got sick of me bugging him to go hunting or whatever. He'd pawn me off onto one of them other guys. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it's, it's not, and I still don't think of anybody, everybody puts their pants on the same way. Right. Um, right. But the, the neatest thing about those guys is, is their love of giving back to the sport, I guess. The, the fact they're not, you know, they, they, the guy, all the guys that you've mentioned and all those, those guys that we think of as the, the fathers of traditional archery and all that, none of them are selfish in it. They, they all, the, the reason they want it is they want to show their love of it to someone else. And that's, that's why we know them. I mean, it's why they have the notoriety they got, right? Right. Because they're, they're just trying to help, help the rest of us out, show us some little trick or, or tell us a story. So that, that so had to, getting, have, that, I mean, I feel that I feel had to have lucky getting to grow up with all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I had to have rubbed off on you. I mean, you had to have picked up, uh, definitely some woodsmanship and, um, you know, some knowledge and information along the way being exposed to such how high caliber, uh, uh, dudes. Oh yeah, for sure. So after that first year and obviously growing up around those guys and, going out hunting with Gene and the Wenzels and, and seeing their trophy room. That's, I'm sure that made a big impression on you. And, and that's probably the reason you're just obsessed with hunting like you are now, like a lot of us are. And so where did that take you from your, your first deer to now? You know, I mean, I, I, I know you've done a lot of guiding and stuff in Alaska, but maybe you can, maybe you can kind of go from there, that, that first deer and your dad and Tom Martini being there and, being mentored by all these guys and how that kind of set the progression of your hunting career up to now. Yeah. And like how you got into when you started guiding and, and, you know, I would like to talk a little bit about that, where, how, where that took place and, and maybe some, some of those stories too. Um, well, the, as far as my progression through the hunting, um, you know, when you're little, it doesn't matter what you're after, right? Any, any successes, is a big success. Um, my, my grandparents were also like super influential as far as me, my, my grandma and my, my grandpa on my dad's side, they lived real close there. And, um, they, they would, they would take me out, um, quite a bit too when, when dad wasn't around and, um, not that dad, dad was around most of the time, but I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is, is my, other than the, the, the family of traditional bow hunters, it's like my whole family was into the outdoors and into the hunting. So any weekend that we had winter, summer, fall, doesn't matter. We were always out doing something. Um, 
so it, it's it's hard to pinpoint any of the moments you know what i mean it's like my my life was all of that all the time when i was younger and so as you're going, uh, yeah. as so, you're right. as you're going through school you're obviously looking at like how do i how do i do this all the time right you're trying to you know obviously your dad's building bows and you're probably started helping him at a young age and so was it right after high school you decided you wanted to to do the guiding thing or, or what kind of pointed you in that direction? Um, I kind of, I basically fell into the guiding thing. Um, the, the, so you guys, you guys know of Jay Massey Mm -hmm. and, and so when I, when I graduated high school, I, I had already talked to Martha and the, the year that I graduated is basically the year that, that, uh, Jay had died or a year before that. Um, well, I better back up a little, uh, uh, most of it has to do with Alaska. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't interested in guiding anything down here or none of that. Uh, um, the, basically what the guiding did for me is it got my foot in the door as a way to make money and, and stay more months in Alaska. And so I guess I didn't really like pursue it as a career at all. I, it, it just, it kind of happened and it worked out that that's what would, I could help me get my foot in the door and make some money and stay in Alaska. Um, and this is all basically in the last 10, 12 years, right? And your, your interest in Alaska was big game hunting. Like you wanted to become an Alaskan so you could hunt. So I could hunt doll sheep. My (laughs) grandparents took me up there when I was 10 years old. Okay. We, we, uh, we rode up through the inside passage on a ferry, you know, in a motor home. We got out in a few of those. And I think we, we ended up getting out at Haynes or something and, or uh, Skagway and driving through Canada and into Alaska and all over Alaska in that motor home with them. And this is when I was 10 years old. Um, so the summer before I'm turning 11. Okay. So I'm not even legal to hunt anything in Montana or none of that. The only stuff I'd have ever really killed is like I said, the little critters, um, you know, gophers and robins and all that stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I did eat some of the robins. They're not that good. Anyhow. So <laughs> the, um, I was, I, I forget, I think it's either Glen Allen or, it's not Toke, but it's the Toke management area I know now in Alaska. There's a there's a place on the highway that we were stopped, and there was a guy, and he had a spotting scope, and he's he's looking up at these mountains, and he he's like, here, come look at this. And I looked through his spotting scope, and, and I mean, I can see him with my naked eye because the mountains aren't that far away. There's all these white dots up there. Well, I looked through the spotting scope, and when I looked through it, there are rams in the spotting scope, right? And somewhere in there, I don't know where exactly it turned out, but I told my grandma, I said, I am going to kill one of them things with a longbow. (laughs) Okay. And this is when I'm 10 years old. And so I got this pursuit in my head. I got, I got dreams as a 10 year old boy holding a big ram head. And I got dreams holding a, a huge bull moose skull basically. Okay. And that all started when I was 10 years old. Um, and then, of course, we had that vacation. I came back home, you know, went to school, helped dad build bows in the summer, which is it, my earliest memories are, are sweeping the bow shop. 
I mean, I, I remember gluing bows as, as early as I can remember. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I have been involved in that uh, the majority of my life. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I tell people I was born in a bow shop, right? Um, <laughs> I'm sure you were. But you but, just wanted to hunt. You wanted no, to sheep hunt. You decided that at but, 10. That's awesome. Right. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to hunt. And it didn't, ha- it didn't have to be the sheep, of course. But that was always the one of the main things. And it was um, – because, like, in Montana, you know, you you got you to gotta draw that permit – a, a permit and it, or any of these States down here. And it's, I mean, it's really hard, you know, and I just saw it as that the, the sheep up there would give me a better, better chance at, you know, getting one of those. And then of course, I mean, you mentioned my mentors, Jay Massey and Doug Borland were big mentors of mine. They were my dad's buddies. I, I loved hanging out with them when I was young and, and could whenever I'd go to those bow shows or like PBS or shoots or whatever, to be around those buddies and my dad and, and, uh, Jay being, you know, him and Doug killed those sheep years ago, like around when I was born and hearing their stories. And, um, you know, Jay, especially when, when I went up there with, with my grandparents, um, we went by, um, Jay's house there. And I mean, the man was major in tune with the native culture, I guess, you know, and you you could feel that when you were around them, and it felt good and it felt right. And I guess when you're around people like that, and you 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 kind of want to do something similar to them because you feel like they got something you don't got. Yeah. And I guess the Alaska thing was I'm being as I grew up in Montana, it's wild and, and free, but it's nothing compared to Alaska. So I guess I always had that pursuit and I'm, I'm trying to get back to the whole. No, you're doing great. No, no, you're, no, you're doing great. I'm lo- I'm loving this. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I end up going up there and doing all that when I'm 10 and then I have it in my blood. It's like, all I want to do is go back to Alaska, right? Oh, to um, stop you right there. So and, when you got a, you met Jay Massey and went to his place, uh, could you elaborate on on that? You, um, on what you're saying? I mean, he was really in tune. Could you maybe give us a, a well, little more no, detail into Dad, that? Dad, w- the the majority of the time I was around Jay, he was down here in Montana hunting elk with Dad. Like okay. after after Jay was done guiding moose. Um, he would come down and, and a few times he hunted, he hunted, uh, elk with dad in, in Western Montana. And, uh, well, I mean, I even, I, Jay called in a, a bull moose for my, my grandfather, a, a Montana moose okay. one year too. Um, that, I mean, kind of a crazy, that's a whole different story, but he, grandpa shot him three times with a rifle and Jay called him in all three of those times. <laughs> oh, wow. Same moose. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy deal, but, um, pretty neat. So anyway, no, my, my main time with like Jay was when he would come down and was down here with dad. Um, I was only up there, you know, I think we stayed a couple of days with him and Martha, um, in Girdwood there when I, when I went up with my grandparents, it it wasn't all, you know, too long. Um, I do know we were supposed to go fishing on the Russian river, but it rained so bad that, uh, the river came up and it wasn't worth us to go. So, so I didn't end up doing that with Jay. Um, 
course I was only 10 years old. So it's, uh, you know, your memories fade or change or whatever right. a little bit. Um, but this definitely set, remember, set you know, the foundation for you for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and then, um, the whole, the whole Jay Massey connection puts me into now I've graduated high school. Um, I know like we had some kind of party for me that the night after I graduated and the next day, like I, I jumped in my, my, uh, what did they have? They had the little Toyota truck and I drove to Alaska like the day after I graduated basically. <laughs> um, and when, when I went up there, I, I lived at, like I said, that's about the time Jay passed away. I lived in uh, the the garage that he built above that garage by Martha's, and and Martha, um, was kind of she was my boss at this bookstore by Portage Glacier, which is is real close to Alaska there or Alaska, real close to Girdwood there. And so I ended up working there, and um, you know, fishing on the weekends or any time that I had off. Um, I did, I did buy a, um, a black bear tag, um, because it's, you know, you don't need a guide and all of that. And the season is basically year round in a lot of those places. I, I did do some hikes for that. Um, it didn't really work out. The only good opportunity I would have had is they had a problem black bear in a, in a, um, campground there that the forest service wanted me to shoot. And I, I told them I'm not going to kill this bear that's eaten in their garbage bins or whatever, but, um, that I, I guess I could have used my tag, but I wasn't, I wasn't about that anyway, even, even as young as I was then about 18, you know? Um, so anyway, that was my first, um, later introduction into Alaska. And that fall, after I worked up there that whole summer, that fall, dad flew up and we went out to the Moose John where, where Jay guided, you know? And, uh, we were hunting moose and bears out there. Um, we, we didn't end up getting anything. Um, I'm sure there's a few stories of that. I, I did have one stalk me and, um, some, some nasty stuff go down there. Um, we didn't end up getting that bear. And was, um, who and was running, did, who was running moose John? Was that Ernie? Uh, Ernie, Ernie Holland was. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so, and that was when I, um, that obviously wasn't my first running with Ernie. I went, um, when I was 16 years old, I went with dad and Ernie and, oh, who else? A few other folks to Russia. Um, and we, oh. we hunted, uh, snow sheep over there. Okay. Which the, the sheep hunting was kind of a flop. Um, the, the Russians that were there wanted us to run them into the, into rocks with dogs and shoot them down. They actually did. And I mean, at least they gave us some meat, I guess is pretty good. Um, but the, the sheep hunting wasn't that good, um, in the area we were at, but it, it was still quite the experience for me. Right. And I was impressed with Ernie. Ernie was, uh, he, he was bilingual. He could speak the Russian and, 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 you know, it was nice to have on that thing. But then of course, yeah, he, he was partners with, with, uh, Doug Borland, um, in a shoe business, I think. And then he ended up had already had an outfitter license because he's had another friend that he guided out a Kodiak with, I believe. And they, and they, in the way ended up, he took over Jay's last clients 
um, which was one of Jay's surgeons, I think, was there that year that I went there with Dad. My my first trip to the the Moose John. And so, so can you tell people who don't know what the Moose John is? Can you give us a little explanation uh, on that? Uh, okay, so the the Moose John is actually it's just a river that Jay and Jay Massey and Doug Borland and Ernie and a few of these other Alaskans, mostly it was Doug and Jay and Ernie, found this river that's kind of in the middle of nowhere and basically named it the Moose John River. And they, Jay only took bow hunters um, down this river and not, not mostly just traditional bow hunters, but they, I mean, it's, he didn't, he allowed, it's not like he didn't let, compounds go you know but anyway no rifles like he didn't he didn't guide anybody or put anybody on that river with rifles so it was kind of known in the traditional bow hunting or bow hunting world as a destination for bow hunters kind of and i mean at the time it was when they first found it it was it was booming the moose population was good and it was really good and i know a lot of guys killed moose on that river nice so so Jay started that outfitting service, and so at 18, I think you were getting to that. You moved up. You worked in the bookstore for his wife. Now Jay's passed away. Yeah. Ernie's running it. And then uh, when did you start helping them out? So I, yeah, that first year with Dad, I just went out, went there and checked it out. And I think it was the following year, or it might have been the next year after that, um, Ernie asked me if I wanted to work as an assistant guide. Like he, he just needed somebody there, I think in camp or whatever it was, wasn't like it was here. Do you want a career? It was, I need somebody. Do you want to try this out? And at that time, it's like, you had to have, I think, I think you had to have killed a, something in Alaska and, uh, and then you just get a recommendation. Maybe you didn't even have to kill anything yet. I, I can't remember. I do. I, I think I had killed a black bear up there or something to get to be able to do it. But anyway, so that's that's how I ended up with my my guide license was through my assistant guide license, which was through Ernie. Um, you know, signing my contract and coming and and basically helping him. And uh, I think that first hunt I did. Uh, well, it seems like I floated it three times yeah so i haven't even done it that many but the first the first time i floated it um that first year that i got my license i actually wasn't in a guiding capacity i was going with a guy that didn't have a, a friend to go with basically yeah um and so but the year after that i did guide my first hunter and down that river unsuccessfully we didn't we didn't call in any moose that i recall um, I do know there was some caribou encounters and maybe a grizzly bear or two, but, uh, anyway, all of that kind of, kind of set my, my love for Alaska, you know, more in stone. And I did, you know, realize that, you know, I'm, I'm needing to be more of a resident up here and all that. If I want to, if I want to pursue sheep and, uh, and like, I, I'm, I'm sure dad mentioned in the, in his stuff, the, the first sheep hunt that we went in Alaska was actually, a we were both non-residents and, a, a good friend of ours and a good friend of, um, Jay's and, uh, 
he he took dad and i to the the talkeetness hunting and so i did actually hunt in alaska as a non-resident the first the first year i went sheep hunting and what i can tell you about that is the worst blisters i've ever had in my life were on that (laughs) (laughs) and i i learned a major golden rule of sheep hunting or mountain hunting is i mean your your boots are key your feet are the most important no matter what you're hunting I mean, and, and that, that hunt kind of put that in, in stone for me. I've been through so many pairs of boots and all that since. So hey, are, are you, are you, that they're gonna... Hey, yo, can I interrupt, uh, Certainly. to my hunt, to my hunting partner, Nicholas Prescott, listen to what Yoke just said, have good boots. Blisters <laughs> are no good. It will ruin your hunt. Uh, check, yeah. check. So from, from that first sheep. Yeah sheep hunt um then you became a resident then now you're able to financially hunt them every year that's that was kind of your goal right right yeah yeah it's not you're not obligated to to having to have a guide um which is obviously spendy and and you're you're in own you know you're restricted and where they can hunt and all that um that's a whole nother can of worms yeah Guide, guiding is so much different than it's it's all bureaucratic bs it's not it's not let's go out and go hunting i mean yeah. all these hunts are all expensive we all you all think that the outfitters and all that are making a bunch of money they are not yeah everybody has their hand out it's like any other business that's out there and that's the trouble they've made it a business yeah. and so it's it's not about the hunting the money is nothing about the hunting you you just you got to pay to play is the trouble yeah. So how many years ago was that, well, yo? Anyway, that, you, from you and you went on that first hunt, how many years ago was that from your first sheep hunt till now? Oh, the first the first one with uh Danny? Oh man. Let's see. I that had to have been fifteen years ago. So how old are you, yo? Because there was a I'm I'll be forty this October, so thirty nine. Right okay. What what's your what's your birthday? Uh, October fourteenth. Okay, so uh, you're uh, four, you're four, fourteen days older than me. Okay, nice. You're the first, huh? So you've had yeah. you've had fifteen years of hunting sheep. You do you hunt them every year? I mean, are you or are you gui- no guiding no? Them? I ha- I I don't. I won't guide them. I, I've guided one. I've guided one one sheep hunt. Um, this this guy Randy Flood, hell of a good guy. Um. Uh, we, he had a permit in the Chugach, which is a, uh, um, draw. it's a, it's the area right behind Anchorage and it's a permit area for a later hunt, um, in October and it's archery only any sheep. And anyway, I, I, he needed a guide. He, he rounded, figured it all out. Cause I had a guide license through another guy and all that. And, uh, we had a wonderful hunt, um, just a wonderful hunt in there. And that was that's the latest I've ever hunted sheep. Um, it was fun. It wasn't quite rut, you know, um, but it would be, that's the one thing with doll sheep. It's not like we're getting to really hunt them in the rut, um, which would be pretty darn neat, but the places, the best places they are, you can't even get to at that time of year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've heard that Chugach is yeah, pretty rough, rough country, right? I mean, you've got to, you got to hike, well, you can't really stay up on top and, and camp and glass. You got to kind of hike up and down every day because of the way that the mountain range is. Is that correct? 
Yeah, the only place that I've been that you could actually stay up there for any good amount of time would be the Talkeetness. Um, There's some benchy stuff up there, and I don't even believe that that's the better, you know, the better stuff that the bigger Rams are going to be in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know of anywhere that you're going to have any kind of comfortable night and (laughs) and be in a good place for, for the age class of sheep you're after. Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet, man. So, so you don't guide them, so you can be hunting them, right? Is that the, not the plan every year? Right. Yeah. So, let's see. For I think it would have been, let's see, it would have been, I went five years in a row where I went every year sheep hunting. Yeah. Um, I think it was five years in a row, and a, a couple of those. One of them was with dad in the Talkeetnas. Another one was with uh, my good buddy, Joe Stallmaster um, in the Brooks range. And then, uh, and then the, the, the last three of that five year stint was, was with Doug Borland um, and my dad um, where we were, you know, the first, the first year I went with Doug in that place in the, in the Brooks range, you know, dad and I were both, both successful for our, our first rams dad got just a beautiful you know curl in the corridor he's real real tight racked but real old i think he's like 11 or 12 or something nice um just a real pretty thing so how many sheep then, how uh, many sheep have you taken with the all of them with a the longbow yeah all of them with the longbow and all of them with the same longbow <laughs> um and those were in in three consecutive years there so so the year dad and i got one and then we each got one and then the year after that we went back and and i killed one and then uh the year after that we went back and i killed one and my my book my buddy joe killed one um and so i've i've got three with the longbow um and then my, my buddy joe also um has got three with his longbow and he's, he's, I think he's born on the 25th of October. So he's, he's, uh, somewhere in there. Wow. Um, that's awesome, man. It, yeah. Same age, same age as us. Yeah. So, same age um, as us. But anyway, so yeah, I've, I've got the three and then, um, I went back. What? Let's see. I went one year. Don Thomas went in with us. Basically now I'm on a every other year schedule, which is it's a it's a lot better than the than the every year, especially after killing a few, right? Yeah. Um, and, and why is that? Just so, like financially, it's hard to well pay for flying in every year. Well, or financially, just... well, no, I'm not married or don't have any kids, so um, smart man. That doesn't really matter. It's it's more of the the excitement level is better if I'm not doing it every year, I guess. Um, and it is, it is a, it is a big financial burden and it is also a, a huge physical burden. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work, um, no matter are, what, how you look at it. Are you still hunting with your buddy, Joe? Is he still going on these hunts with you? Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, the, the last one we went in on with, with two years ago, uh, he killed one the opening day. Um, we were both actually in the same valley. Um, we'd went up there and we just kind of split apart cause there was, there was two forks to it. And, and he got real lucky and ran into these sheep cause it was super foggy and ended up killing that one on that first day. And it was a good thing he did. Cause we, the whole rest of our hunt 
was that same nasty fog, crappiest weather I've ever had. Um, and, uh, but we, at least we got to eat sheep because Joe got that sheep, um, <laughs> on the ground and, and, uh, but, and, and to his credit, he was still going up the hill with me, um, down near every day, you know, and, and even knowing that we're probably going to go up there, hang out all day and then come back down and not even get to see anything. And that happened to us several days. Um, I did end up on that hunt. I ended up getting a, a really good stock on, a um, on a, a busted off on both sides, broomed on both sides, Ram, um, just a big old massive dude. But I ended up, well, the shot I was going to have at him was kind of vertical below me. And I, I didn't realize the rocks and stuff behind me. And I actually hit my bow limb and dropped my arrow. So I guess you could say I missed, but <laughs> it, I didn't really put much tension on the string. Um, so that, that arrow kind of rattled down. I mean, well, if it had hit him, it wouldn't even have hurt him. So uh, um, how many, how many days case, do you guys uh, set aside for these hunts? Um, we're usually in there 16 to 20, I think is, I think the longest we were in there was 20. I believe last time it was 18. Um, we're usually going in like the 6th of August, which is four days before the season and coming out, um, like the 23rd or 25th, d- depending so, on, on actually the airline schedule. So on the um, hunt that that Joe connected on day one, you guys probably made a pretty good dent in the meat then in 16 days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Pretty good. And they're not, they're not that big of a crater really. Yeah. Um, but we did end up, you know, we ended up hanging it and, and leaving it, um, quite a ways down from, from our, where our furthest camp is. Um, actually the, the drainage he killed it in is one of the lower, one of the closer ones to there where we get dropped off. I think it's like 14 miles or something, but we end up, our furthest camp is 22 or 23 miles in, I think. So it's a camp and then it's another Um, how many miles to the, to the hunting ground. Uh, you're, you're basically, you're, you're, it could, they could be anywhere. Um, the, the last few years though, they've been way back in the drainages for whatever reason. One year we got lucky and all of them were out on the open or all they were, they're all out in the open down really low. I think that was the second year we were in there. Um, cause I, I actually made the second year we were in there. I made three stocks on three legal Rams that in one day. Wow. And that's, and it's basically because that year was just spectacular. All the sheep were down where you could actually see them and get at them where a lot of times like my deal is you're going into all these finger drainages and trying to figure out where there's a ram or two, um, or, you know, a big group of rams, whatever legal rams, the, the smaller, the group, the better, obviously, you know, I mean, for stocking anything, um, you don't want the group of 12 rams. And usually the group of 12 rams does not have the biggest ram in it. Like I've never, the bigger groups, I've never seen the big booner type rams in. Those dudes are like, usually they're not alone, but usually there's only a pair of them. There'll be one real big dude with another one that's probably a legal ram, but he's not near as huge. Those big groups will end up having like a very borderline legal ram and and a bunch of sub-legal rams. So anyway, so the point I'm trying to make is, is it's, a, it's pretty hard to 
you got to cover a lot of country to find these legal rams in these little spots. And once you find them, which you're basically finding them from, from one ridge, you got to hope that you got time and all that and good weather to go to where they're going to be the next day or the day after that or whatever. Are you always packing a sleeping bag with you and a bivy sack, like just in case, you know, you get, get out no, there? No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm really not. The, the majority of the, the season there um, is in the, you know, it's, it's in August. So there's really no darkness oh. at the end um, of the hunt. There'll be like a couple hours of dark where you might need a flashlight or something. But so since it's, since there's always plenty of light, I'm not really that worried about, I guess, getting back to camp. But of course you always have, you know, you got your reindeer. You, you, if you needed to, you'd sleep in your clothes, I guess. Yeah. You, you're always packing enough to where you could stay where you're at. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a big part of sheep hunting. Like you could get pinned down in a, in a basin for, you know, half the day where you can't move anyway. Um, cause you're, you're not wanting to spook them up over the next hill or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't know. I've never been sheep, especially if it sounds like it. <laughs> Yeah, they're, well, um, I mean, I'm here to tell you, like, they're, they're nothing like the, the big rifle hunters want to let on, right? You need this 700-yard gun or 1,000-yard gun or whatever. That's that's out of pure laziness. That's just so that you could shoot them across the valley. I don't fault them guys in that. It's a pain in the ass to go across the valley. <laughs> okay? But that's not why you need, you don't need it because they're, too smart and all that now granted in the areas that those critters are hunted more they get wiser to human pressure it's like anything but like every other alaska critter up there they basically have a wolf distance and the critters that have a wolf distance and terrain that they can get away from wolves why do they got to be extra smart yeah what what is the what is the wolf distance um, it's almost 70 yards on, on, on pretty much any critter that, that I've been around, um, like caribou and that kind of thing. If they, you know, if you, if they don't spot you from a long ways away and they, they catch you in that close distance, they'll hang out and look at you and make sure you're not going to chase you. They're not, you know, and it's the same thing with the sheep. Moose are a little different because everywhere you're hunting them is more, it's thicker and they disappear a lot. So it's not like they have a wolf distance. They're a big bull. They really don't care that much. Yeah. Um. They. Yeah. That's all. That's all kind of a human thing. So are um, they? Are are, are the uh, sheep? Are they about two hundred, two fifty? Like how 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 uh, much mass weight are, is like a big ram? I think you're right there. Right Somewhere there. not two hundred. Okay. Yeah. And is that? Uh, is the table fair? I mean, is that better eating than elk and deer? Or I mean, is it pretty high up there? It's it's high up there for sure. Um, I mean, of course, it's always better when you're in the middle of nowhere and you've been eating freeze dried. Um, right. But it is. I mean, as far as wild sheep is, I haven't eaten a lot of mutton, like tame sheep. I right. I, I have. I didn't like it. Okay. I thought it was too oily and too greasy. Well, this doll sheep is oily and greasy, but it's a, it's almost like a consistency of water. It's, uh, making it real good and, and moist and stuff, but not, 
strong. It's not a strong fat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing that like impresses me so much about these stories is like, I do some backpack hunting, not a ton, you know, but I can't imagine packing up my stuff and being gone for 20 days and 30 miles from anywhere, you know, like that's just crazy to me. I just blows my mind. Sounds like the ultimate hunt for sure. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, your dad and Doug, you know, we've had them both on. They said that you guys just basically, you give yourselves that three or four days to get there. You, you just take it uh, day by day and put the, the miles that you can, uh, on. Is that about correct or being a younger guy? You, do you just, are you just waiting, charge, for, waiting for them the whole time? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not. I, I, uh, I've learned a couple of times. Uh, we kind of want to stay together <laughs> in some of that stuff. Um, one of the times in there, Joe and I were together, like charging ahead of a dad and Doug and, um, ran into a bear. Um, I, I think it was waiting for us. Cause we, we probably, we had trekking poles and all that. And we were like clicking like caribou do and had the thing right, right in our face. And, and I'm still kind of convinced after that, if it would have been just one of us walking on that trail, he might've took us, you know, but I think since there was the two of us close together, um, you know, he didn't. And, and so I guess the, the walk in there is where the thickest stuff is. And that would, would bother me the most. So anymore, I'm not trying to charge in there. And, and of course, being I'm almost 40, I've, I've slowed down quite a bit. Right. Yeah, um, I know the first few times in there, I would charge up and down those mountains, but anymore, it's like you, you, you take your time more. I, I watched, I, I watched my dad fall and break a couple of fingers on a hunt in the Talkeetnas and, I've been lucky enough that I haven't gotten in trouble, but I've had these, these instances that has made me, you know, look at it and go, wait a minute, I need to slow down. And you're in a place that like where we're hunting sheep, there is no, I mean, there's the technology we have now. I got this thing. It's like an in reach. I could push a button and put an SOS. Okay. Well, if where we're at, if you push that SOS, they ain't probably going to come get you. This is a trouble. You're going to have to figure out a way to get to where the plane that dropped you off can get you pretty much. Which, so, could, which could be 30 miles or, away. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got to be careful because you do something to yourself or whatever, you know, it's, it, it's not like you're, you're close to the hospital, you know, at all. I mean, yeah. So, so on, on that note, when and, you're and learning that, go ahead, yo, sorry to interrupt, but well just to just in the the back end of it i'm i'm also a guide so when when you think about it from that perspective and you think you 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 have to think a lot more when you're more responsible for somebody else out there with you too so i mean that and that that even it helps you when you're doing your own hunting you know what i mean because you're you're just you're thinking about a few steps ahead and rather than just getting that critter that's right in front of you you know that where you could charge up that mountain but maybe you shouldn't or maybe you should pick a different route even though that's the best route yeah gotta watch out for everybody else so on that note of taking off and being 30 miles from anywhere like let's go over a little bit of like what maybe some of the things you pack that you wouldn't you know you wouldn't leave 
the airstrip without it when you're going 30 miles, you know, like, are you, do you use a down sleeping bag? Do you use a synthetic sleeping bag? Are you taking bear spray or a handgun or, or maybe go over, I, I, I'd love to get you back on another episode and just talk all gear. Cause I'm sure that spending, you know, that much time out there, you got some, some serious nuggets, but just uh, maybe go over that kind of what, what the basics are, you know, what you're taking on a extended trip. Cause it's gotta be hard just to be able to pack that much food for 18 days. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. And and we're usually kind of going off the buddy system sort of as far as uh, like you, the, the firearms and that kind of thing. Um, we usually have one pistol in camp and that's all we really got. And sometimes we'll take a flare gun um, and we'll take bear spray. I don't have a whole lot of love for bear spray. Um, the times that I've played with it, like actually squirted this stuff, it, it has a, a tendency to want to blow back in your face, even if the wind's blowing the other way. And, um, I mean, even this, just this last time, my buddy Joe, like was spraying it or uh, maybe it was another time, but we both like tested out these ones and it didn't even shoot that far after a, after a hunt from, was that from flying an airplane and up and down? I don't know, but the stuff wouldn't have worked if we would have been in that situation. So I'm more into number one, I'm, I got my bow, right. And that, that's my first line of defense. Cause that's my weapon. That's the one I'm going to be packing when I'm um, hunting personally. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, if I got to protect myself, I got to protect myself from this. The pistol is excuse <laughs> my language. I hope you guys can cut that out. Um, anyhow. Uh, so I'm my, my first, defense would be my bow and and since we're bow hunters don't think that that's not right you have a super uh lethal weapon at your disposal right yeah and that super lethal weapon might be the better one especially if it's like you're hunting the bear he doesn't know you're there or you shoot him and it's not making a loud noise it's a little bit different thing Um, but here again, I'm saying that, and I am saying the first line of defense, whatever weapon you got on you is that's it. And just be willing to protect yourself with that and think you're the baddest ass in the woods, not that bear or whatever. Um, it's all attitude, right? But here again, you don't want to go at it and, but you want to go at it thinking that everything's trying to kill you too. The, the, the weather, the critters, all of that. So since that, that would bring me into the other stuff that you would want to have, which would be whatever clothing is going to um, keep you the driest, which typically Alaska is wool, you know, cotton kills, that whole adage or whatever. Um, so I always have good base layers, mid layer, and a, and a real good raincoat. Usually it's a light rate, you know, shell or whatever. And then to be a little quicker here, my, my sleeping bag is a, is a down, but it's a waterproof down. Um, the, the shell of it, it's a lot more expensive, but I do like the, the down because I'm, I'm kind of a skinny dude. So I get cold easy. Um, so I, I like having that, um, I guess extra poofier down and I've just had a lot better luck with that than the synthetic bags. I've had some good synthetic bags. They just haven't worked for me as, as good. Um, but here again, I've got buddies and fellow guides and stuff that swear by it. And um, so I would go with the personal preference, but I would not go, I would not 
go too light in the weight um, of your sleeping gear and the, the time that you're going to be recouping your energy the most for the next day, yeah. I wouldn't slim down on that. I mean, if, if you want to, if you're going to, if you're, if you're thinking, well, I can take this one and get an extra pound of food in there. Don't worry. You know, get, be comfortable in your, in your camp, I guess. Yeah. In your sleeping bag. That makes sense. So don't, don't chance on that. And don't, don't take something that's, don't take a down bag that's going to get wet and not be any good to you. Um, if you're, if you're going to spend the money for this, you know, a waterproof down bag and all that, do your research. And I mean, if you're anything like me, you're going to test it out. I mean, I dunked the thing in the water, right? Yeah. So, cause are, if, if are, it ain't going to work, I ain't going to take it in the middle of nowhere. Are you guys above timberline or is, is a fire available? Are you able to have fires or? Yes. We, we do. We have a fire pretty much every night, um, which is nice, kind of a camaraderie thing. The trouble is, is up there, it's all willow. There might be a cottonwood or two around, but there is no, no, um, what are them? Carniferous trees, no needled yeah. trees, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's the north side of the Brooks Range. So, like, but if you were, I mean, I'm the south side of the brooks is 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 there's a bunch of timber um and and there might be some drainages on the north side that have have some timber but i i don't think so i think you're getting a little further primarily where we're at um where i've been doing it recently is like a it's a desert almost yeah they don't it's usually not a lot of moisture it's kind of arctic desert nice so way to describe it and then so those are a couple of good little nuggets there. And then you said you shot them all with a longbow. I'm guessing you're shooting a Robertson bow, but maybe go over your setup, what you like to shoot. We can get into that. And how many arrows you take in when you're going for 20 days? Um, well, that depends on how many arrows dad has. <laughs> <laughs> My whole life, I usually de-quiver and then I ask dad for an arrow or two and he weeds them out to me until I can actually get something killed nice no um yeah okay so yeah of course my my longbow that i've had is the uh, um it's when we did the the what do we call it connection um that that connection longbow so it was a two-piece longbow um and then i i mean i would only take about i think six arrows and uh and then like i say data takes six um or something like that, but we we would try to have enough. But that's the thing when you're sheep hunting, you're pretty much only getting maybe a shot, you know. Yeah, you're not. Um, out, you're not. Out it, it's not like there's no. Um, you know, we we do have these little points, Dad and I make that. You know, we take. Um, that's like a screwing deal. It's kind of like a judo or whatever, but much better, really. Um, I, I'll take those and and shoot a lot to keep in in practice because it is all rocky ground like if you're just gonna just go shoot your regular arrows it's not gonna work out that good um and that is the thing i mean you want to you want extra arrow or two because if you miss a sheep that arrow is gone pretty much it's either over the hill or busted all the heck because they don't they don't live in anything soft can you tell us about your arrow setup? Are you shooting wood arrows or carbons and what kind of broadheads and what your feathers and you kind of uh, how much your arrow weighs, all that? Ah, uh, boy. 
I am I am the wrong person to talk to as far as it's technical. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can tell you about that, I, I am the only thing I can tell. They were definitely wood arrows. Not that I haven't took a carbon arrow on a hunt. I haven't killed much with a carbon arrow. I think the deer I killed this fall was with a carbon arrow. I don't. I don't. Um, Dad and I differ on that. I, I don't care about it as far as I just see it as a projectile, you know. Um, I, I'm so I'm not I'm not worried about that. But I do the the reason I don't pack carbons in my quiver a lot is I always had issues of stuff coming unscrewed, or or the knocks being in the wrong position, or you know some some technical BS because it's not all glued in one uniform deal. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I basically, I like for me in everything, simplicity is bliss. So I prefer the wood arrows as long as it's one, if I'm going to hunt sheep or hunt anything that I'm trying to kill, I've shot that arrow a bunch and I know it's a good arrow. And that's what you'll see. If you were to look at my quiver from any time throughout the season or whatever, you're probably going to see a mismatch. If it's a six arrow quiver, you're going to see, you know, at least an arrow out of three different dozens, you know, that I just, I either, th- that's what it got narrowed down to, <laughs> or, um, you know, those are, I just, that, I, I love this arrow. It shoots good. The, the, you know, everything's in tune with it and all that. So that's, what's going in my air, my, my quiver. I like um, it. so it, it basically boils down to, I'm just get I, I, I get to know all my equipment before they, I go anywhere with so it. So the, they, the, those arrows earn their way. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but I mean, it, I, I do like the, the shootability of, of a carbon arrow where they all are kind of matched and you can have kind of a matching matching quiver that seems kind of nice but like i said i'm i just i always end up with some kind of weird rattle that drives me nuts you know <laughs> yeah you don't so, have to worry about that when you're anyway. them on. how what weight is your longbow right um i think that one i want to say it was 68 or 69 pounds it, it, it was a heavier bow wow um oh no no that one's not that might have been a oh man yeah, I'm not sure. What are you shooting now? Anyway, I can tell you right now. I yeah, now I'm I'm. I think the the last one was a 48 pounder. I've shot the last deer with. Um, but I, I like 55. Um, 55 to 58 is is generally my favorite weight, I guess. Especially if I was going to hunt moose again. Um, in Alaska, I mean the one the one moose I did kill up there was a three piece fatal stick recurve so a high performing recurve and it was like 65 or 70 pounds somewhere in there it was a heavy bow but i've convinced and and now and after skinning a few more moose and all that stuff i think that you're fine with 55 pounds and a 600 grain arrow yeah on a on alaska moose but here again that 600 grain is going to keep you pretty close right i mean definitely under 30 yeah yeah for sure um but they are a critter you can shoot at 30 i mean they're big enough you yeah, know, I mean that kill zone's huge. Yeah, yeah, but you got to be shooting your bow. Right? Yeah. So what's what's in uh, what's in the future for you? I hope your dad's talking like maybe you're gonna take over and he's gonna retire, or are you still just gonna be up up in Alaska? <laughs> what's the plans for uh, um, Robertson well, Stickbow? I, 
I, I definitely will continue to build bows um, as much as I can, as long as dad doesn't sell it to somebody else, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know that he'll ever be able to give up um, to where I was doing it all the time. But, you know, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be continuing to build bows and, and move it further. Um, I, you know, I know dad, dad enjoys it. But other times he gets, it, it gets old for him, you know, but that's like anything you do. What's lucky for me is that if I'm going, um, to Alaska part of the year and all that stuff, I'm not in the bow shop all the time. It's a lot more fun and I'm a lot more pr- productive when I am, if that makes sense. Yeah. Gives you a little break. That's, um, so and, right. And when and you're guiding, like again, are you, the bow shop is in Montana and I'm a resident of Alaska and I mean, I intend to be a resident of Alaska. There's a few more things up there. I've never shot a goat. Um, I, I'd love to shoot a goat. Um, I would, I would love to shoot another moose. Um, but my time I spend up there now is mostly not my own hunting. It's still devoted. My own hunting is still kind of devoted mostly to the sheep and the rest of my hunting is, is taking other people, you know? So, and so in the guiding, what, what animals are you pursuing in the guiding and maybe tell us, you know, a little bit about that and how, how much of the year is your time consumed with the guiding? Um, well, here lately, I've been backing off a little on the guiding. I haven't guided spring for a while, um, but mostly what I've been guiding, and I'm not doing any of it on my own now. I I'm, I'm, um, go another outfitter through another outfitter. Um, I just work for him. But it's basically just moose and brown bears is, is what I'm guiding um, currently, and it's, it's basically the latter part of August through to the first part of October. So it does eat up a big majority of my hunting season, um, especially if I was wanting to be down here and pursue an elk or whatever. I haven't, I haven't hunted elk personally in, in, I think, nine years, you know, with, during, a, during an elk season. I, I would love to get to come do that again um, sometime, you know, but anyway, I, I, uh, yeah, I, mostly the moose. Um, I love that. It's, it, it can be boring. Moose, moose is not the most exciting hunt for sure. Um, there's a lot more exciting critters, but when it does happen, man, it's cool. Cause they are a, it's almost prehistoric in their enormity, you know? And, uh, and when you when you get to talk to them and it, it's all working, whether they're a legal bull or not, it's uh, it, it's pretty neat. Yeah, um, it sounds awesome. When, when it works out, and it, yeah, and the guiding, of course, is you know a, a lot of most of it is is rifles, um, you know. But I, I get such a rise out of it because even if they're an older guy or or whatever, um, you know, you, you get to help them enjoy something that they you know, they wouldn't have seen otherwise unless I was there with them. And, you know, and I've, I've had some pretty awesome moments with, with folks that, um, you, you know, you wouldn't excitement from guys that shoot something with a super high powered rifle that, that it, it almost means nothing to me, you know, but to, to them, it's their whole world. And, and it's kind of neat to be able to experience that, I guess, is, is the point I'm getting at. Oh, heck yeah, man. That's awesome. So it sounds like Robertson Stickbow needs to open up a little shop up in Alaska so you can carve on bows and uh, do more hunting up there, not lose your residency. So that's what we'll spread the word. That's going to happen. Right. 
have you hunt, have you hunted what? have you hunted the bears with your uh, longbow the spring bears or the brown bears or grizzlies uh, i have not i've not um i i killed an arctic grizzly with a with a recurve um okay. in the brooks range on one of those sheep hunts um they're they're smaller they're like the size of a um black bear more like a big black bear is kind of what they are they're the but they are the most aggressive um bears well as far as i know um but they're they're actually the smallest most aggressive it would be the arctic grizzly i have shot one of those i haven't hunted personally the brown bears at all like i've never went out and been i'm i'm uh, well, I take that back. I sat in a tree stand over a river once, but it wasn't like any kind of, it was like a weekend deal. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so no, I have not, I've not shot a brown bear. Um, I really, I've got enough people, brown bears. I haven't had a trad bow guy get one with me. Um, a couple of compound guys, but, um, mostly rifles, but I don't really, I mean, I would love to shoot one myself, but it's not something that I, you know, it's not in my bucket list or nothing. I, I, they're probably my favorite critter, but I've got a, I don't need to see another one die. I love pursuing them, but I do not need to see another one die. If that makes any sense. You just want to go sheep hunting. It sounds like, yo, <laughs> it sounds like that's all well, you want to do. No, I, I mean, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to go to New Zealand. I think, um, I would love to, I, I'd met a, a guy from there that was guiding with me and uh, he's really into roaring those red deer. And it's like to hear him do his calls and all that. There's, there's a big world out there and there's a lot of other stuff that I would, I would certainly like to see, but it, it definitely does end up getting more around the, the high mountain type critters. And it, it really doesn't, the, the critter itself doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot to me. Um, I progressed through having to get something killed and all that too, but there's a euphoria that you get when you get on a ridgeline or you're on a precipice of a cliff looking down at that sheep or that goat or whatever, that euphoria that you get before you even draw your bow or whatever, that's what I'm after. Absolutely. But the so, trouble is, is to so get that euphoria, I, I gotta be packing my bow and I got to be pursuing something up on that mountain. But when I really think about it, it doesn't have anything to do with that bow or that critter. <laughs> I hear you. But I don't know how so, to. <laughs> so you're, you're seeking, you're seeking the adventure more than anything. Um, it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Aren't we all? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm definitely all about the adventure. There's, there's no way around it. I, 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 you know, I think the meat is great. And uh, killing oh, stuff yeah. is, is wonderful, but if there's not an adventure wrapped up in that meat and in that kill, then I I don't really care much for it. It's definitely about the adventure. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Yo. We appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's awesome to have you on here. We hope to have you on in the future again, if you don't mind us bugging you like we always do. And uh, hopefully, are you guys doing the sheep this year? um we are that's the plan um that's certainly the plan i uh like you guys know i am i'm dealing with this elbow issue i'm hoping i can be shooting my bow in three months so that i'll have three months to practice um but are you are you taking uh, um, if not are you taking joe stall master with you again this year yeah 
Yep, Joe will be going. Doug, Doug, of course. Um, Doug's, Doug's who's prompt, prompts us to go. Uh, I'm gonna go until he quits. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then, then um, my dad, of course. Um, yeah. That's kind of. Well, that's awesome, I, man. I, it would, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be weird for me to go without my dad or Doug anymore. So. Yeah, that's that's um, just amazing that those guys. And of course, are, Joe. Yeah, that's amazing that those guys are that age and still doing a hunt like that, man. It gives us all inspiration and we'll definitely get you back on here once you start shooting and, and maybe go over, you know, like the preparation that you're going through and all the, all the stuff you're, you guys are gear you're taking and all that good stuff. Cause it's kind of the, it's the ultimate for sure. So thanks. Yeah, Joe. that'll be fun. So thanks yeah. Joe. We appreciate it. Yeah. Man. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Leave us a review on iTunes. Keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight.